Welcome to Twice Born Podcasts. My name is Mike Bailey. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to get your feedback, and if you have any questions, please go to twiceborn.net. You can also find us on social media. I hope that you find this podcast helpful and informative. God bless. The whole series is called Restart, because when your phone starts messing up, what do you do? You restart it, right? When your computer starts having issues, what do you do? You restart it, and what does that do? It takes the programs that may not be functioning properly, it turns them off, and then when it restarts, it starts with the proper functions. And so we wanna be always thinking, every single day, as a believer in Christ, you're always being retuned in your mind. You're not conforming to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're always growing in the Lord. And if you don't know the Lord as, as your savior, that is the biggest restart of all, is that we're all born spiritually dead. And for us to become spiritually alive, we need to have that restart where we are twice born, we're born again. And so we'll be talking about that. We have been, uh, this series, talking about what does that mean for us on an individual level? What does that mean for us as a group? And so today we're going to talk about fellowship or friendship and how do we apply that to our lives and how can we restart that well as we come into the August month here in just a couple weeks. Um, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking we're kind of coming out of a stage in our culture, right? The epidemic, the pandemic Right, that we all had to isolate ourselves, wear masks. Um, we were there was a whole uh, new world for us for a couple years. Uh, this past week, we were able to go to the Kennedy Space Center, and there was a lot of people there. The rocket went off, and uh, you can stay back at the other slide. The, the rocket went off, and there were people everywhere, right next to each other, all on top of each other, <laughs> now wearing masks. So we've we've kind of moved on from that. But we were told isolation it will help keep the, the virus from spreading, and uh, the science behind that and all those things are good, but the truth of the matter is spiritual isolation is very harmful. Spiritual isolation, when we isolate ourselves from other people spiritually, because that's not what we're intended to be. We're intended to be together. We're intended to have friendships. I don't know if you grew up in the church or you've been in the church your whole life or this is your first time in a church, uh, whatever your, your background is, uh, it's not just these moments that make us a church. It's not a building. It's not a gathering here in the morning on Sundays. It's not a time that we get together and sing songs and read from the Bible. Um, those are things we do as a church, but that's not what makes us a church. A church is that we come together as a group of people unified in a belief, unified in a faith that Jesus Christ has died, he was buried, he rose again, he gives us eternal life, he gives us a hope for the future, and we can come together and be unified and sing about that and read about that and grow in that together and build friendships with each other. And so isolation in that area of our life can be very destructive. Um, I've had times in my life where I isolated myself, and it was very spiritually destructive. And it can be very easy to get isolated in life. It can be very easy to, to tune everybody else out, just stick to what you got to get done, and just focus on those things. And in my life, my journey, I don't know what your journey is, but for my journey, when I came to Christ as a teenager, and I gave my heart to the Lord, and he radically saved me, the next thing he did in my life is give me very close friendships and people that believe the same thing. And it was through those weekly commitments to meeting together and praying together and being together that allowed me to mature as a person spiritually. And so I don't know what your background is, I don't know where you're coming from, but I would encourage you 
that being a believer in Jesus Christ, coming to faith in him as your Savior, is more than just a one-time event that happens in your life. It's a lifelong journey. And part of that journey is building friendships, getting to know people, crying with people, celebrating with people, doing life together, being part of a community that if you're not here, you're missed, and you miss being here. And it's not just Sunday. It's throughout the whole week, gathering together, doing things together, doing life together. And so that's what we're going to talk about. How do we build that? This is a picture uh, on Thursdays. Stay at that picture. Go back. Uh, this is a picture of on Thursdays we have our life group, our men's life group. And we get together at Panera Bread. And we talk to each other, pray for each other, encourage each other. And then we open God's word together and talk about how does this apply to our lives? How is this relevant to us today? And so this is part of doing life. This is life-giving to me. This is something I look forward to. I'm a part of a couple of these groups. These are things that get me positive and encouraged and refocused. They help me to kind of align my day and my week and my month in the right direction. If I find myself struggling, if I'm finding myself feeling depressed or anxious, these moments with other people, just being encouraged by them and encouraging them helps me to refocus. And I don't want you to miss out on that. I want you to know what it's like to have the fullness that God wants you to have in your life. That there's a fullness that only he can give. That following Christ is not drudgery. It's not depression. It's not despair. It's not God saying, I'm going to take all the fun out of your life. I'm going to make your life miserable. You're going to have to obey all my rules. And you're going to have to follow me every single day. And it's going to be horrible. Actually, it's the opposite. It's so life-giving. When you learn to connect in and you build friendships and you have deep relationships where people are encouraging you to keep moving forward, not to give up, not to let the challenge of this life overtake you, to not fall into depression or despair or anxiety because those are the cliffs that are next to us all the time. How do we raise our children? How do we be a good spouse? How do we live our life the right way? These are things that fellowships do. These are the things that friendships do in Christ. And so my question this morning that I'm going to ask God to tell us is how do we make friends in the church? How do you make a friend? How do you build friendships in this place? Because some of us grew up in a church where this was all it was. You come in a room, you sit in a seat, you sing some songs somebody wrote somewhere else at some other time. You listen to some guy tell you how to live your life by reading God's word, and then you go home and that's church. But that's not what the Bible says church is. And that's not truly what God has for us. And so I want to hear what God has to say to us. And so we can either reject or believe what he has to say. And if we receive it, that we would apply it and we would live it out in our lives. And so before we go into his word, I want to precede it with prayer and ask him to speak to every single one of us, wherever we are today, that he would speak to us clearly so we could hear him and understand. So let's pray. Father God, you are awesome. You are worthy of these moments. You have created our souls. You've created our bodies. You know more about us than we know about ourselves. And so we come to this place humbly worshiping you and asking you to be exalted, to be lifted up, and so that we would know you and be known by you. Lord, I pray as we look at your words that they would mean something to us, that they would make sense, uh, Lord, that we could look at them, hear them, apply them, live them out, that, Lord, we can make commitments to follow you today, even more than we have in the past. Lord, I thank you for making it clear. I thank you for revealing yourself. I thank you for allowing us to build friendships, lifelong friendships that are actually eternity long because we will be together with you. 
And so, Lord, I pray that you'd bless this time as we read your word, that you would reveal your truth so that we can live your truth. Lord, we look forward to that day you return to this place, this world. But as we prepare, Lord, allow us to grow, allow us to mature, allow us to reflect you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to be going a little bit around the Old and New Testament today. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, they'll be on the screens. If you'd like a Bible, we'll get you a Bible. Um, I believe if you're going to eat every day, you might as well spiritually eat every day also. And so if you'd like a Bible, um, and if you have a phone, you have a Bible already, and there's every translation, there's every resource there, I would encourage you to use it. Um, this is the Word of God to us so that we can understand who we are. Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 is our overarching verse that we're building all of this restart on. We're saying, what, what do you want us to do, God? Why are we here? What is the purpose of this place and this time? Why are we gathered here? Why are we singing these songs? Why are we reading your word? Why are we doing these things together? Why are we talking about friendship? And so all of this is built on Philippians 3.13. One of the greatest believers that we know of was a man named Paul. Paul had recorded this. And he was living for the Lord, and he says this in verse 13. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, meaning he hasn't achieved all those things he knows God has for him yet, that he's still uh, moving in a direction, forgetting what is behind, because that's behind us, it's, it's over, and reaching forward to what is ahead. And so at some point every day, we got to forget yesterday and begin today. Amen. You've got to forget yesterday. You've got to forget the wins and the losses of every day leading up to today. You can't worry about the future because you have no control over that at this moment. The only control you have at this moment is this moment. And so at this moment, will we spend this moment well? Will we spend this moment well? And I believe for us to spend moments well, we need to reflect on the, the past, consider the future, and then evaluate in the present so that we can apply the things that we know that we're to do today. And so we want to do that today. We're going to look at fellowship. So there's a problem when it comes to fellowship. If, you're not, if that's a churchy word, fellowship is friendship. Getting together, building deep bonds with people, getting to know them, having a relationship, wanting to hang out with them outside of this room, wanting to do life together, wanting to know their hurts and their, their celebrations, to pray for them when they're going through good things and when they're going through bad things, to be there for them. When everyone's running away, you're coming to help. These are the types of friendships that we're talking about. How do we know they're important? Because there's an issue that we all are aware of. The first issue is Genesis 2.18 says... And this is the creation of the world and the creation of mankind. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Some of us think it would be so awesome if I was on a, a deserted island by myself. I wouldn't have all the stresses of all these people that all these people bring in my life. How many of you are honest said, I would love life if there was nobody except me? Right? That can be an easy temptation to think, man, life would, life would be great if there was nobody in it except me. Because everyone else doesn't know how to treat me. Everyone else doesn't know how to, uh, to really be nice or kind or supportive or know me the way I want to be known or, or do the things I want them to do. And so we live in a world where it would be much easier if it was just I was by myself. But the truth is um, we weren't created for that. At some point in all of our lives, we need to recognize we are created beings. I'm created. And I work a certain way. 
and you work a certain way, and you're unique and special, and God has, a, he, he created you on purpose for a purpose. But one of those purposes is to have relationships. Nothing that God gives you, he gives you just for you. Did you know that? There's nothing in your life that God gave to you that he's saying, that's just for you. You just hold on to that. Everything you have is to be given. It's like you're poured into, you pour out. I didn't learn this until I got married and had children. Because when you get married, you realize, man, I'm a very selfish person. And if you don't learn that, then you're going to have a lot of conflict. <laughs> you learn who you really are. Why do they do it that way? Why can't they do it my way? Why can't I have control over every single detail of every single thing? That's what you learn when you get married. Then you have kids, and it just heightens. And you learn how unpatient you are. You learn how controlling you are. You learn all these things about yourself. Man, I get so angry about little things because these little kids go drive me crazy. Right? We learn about ourselves. And God puts these people in our lives to mature us, to build us up. How am I going to learn patience unless I'm tested in patience? How am I going to learn self-control unless I'm tested in self-control? How am I going to learn the valuable things in life unless I go through testing and challenging? That's how you grow. You don't grow when it's easy and comfortable and everything's natural for you and there's no challenge in anything. You grow through conflict. You grow through challenges. Man was not meant, you were never meant to be alone. And you will never be what you're supposed to be if you isolate yourself. You will never really find contentment. You will never really find purpose. You'll never really find security if you isolate from everyone in the world. And I can tell you, when you feel pain, when I feel pain, or when I'm frustrated, or I'm upset, or I'm stressed out, my first response is, harden up, don't let anybody in. Am I the only one like this? Harden, don't let anyone know, straight face, no emotion. They'll never get close enough to me to know how I'm really feeling. Isolation is actually the prolonging of pain. When you isolate, you prolong. You keep that thing alive that you want dead. And so God's saying, it's not, you're not intended. I did not put you on this earth to be alone. It's not good for a person to be alone now, I'm not saying everyone needs to get married, but everyone needs to have relationships. Everyone needs someone that they can uh, serve and take care of and support, and someone can take care of and support them. It's the whole purpose of our created being. I think we all recognize that. But there's a second challenge in relationships. 1 Corinthians 1.11, this is the church. This is like the church just started. The church, the organization of the church, the grouping of people that said, we believe in Jesus. We're going to start gathering together in homes and in, in different areas, and we're going to start building this up. Well, they started, and then all of a sudden, here's what happens. 1 Corinthians 1.11, my brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's house have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Paulos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Here's what's being revealed. At the very beginning, they found ways to divide. 
They found ways to say, I'm better, I'm different, I'm segmented from you, I can't respect you, I can't, I can't trust you, I can't be in relationship with you. So, if isolation is wrong, there's also the challenge of unhealthy relationships, unhealthy uh, friendships, people that are dividing us. How many of you, and you don't need to admit it here, are this person or know this person? They always have a juicy bit of gossip about somebody else. They always know something that no one else knows that's really negative about someone else, and they can't wait to tell you about it. They can't wait to tell you what horrible thing just happened to this person, or a horrible thing this person did, or a horrible thing they heard somebody who somebody who somebody who somebody knew had heard about possibly could have happened. Right? Divisiveness. The problem is we're, we shouldn't isolate ourselves, but when we get together, guess what pops forward? Our nature, and our nature is sinful. And that sinful nature looks around and says, how can I undermine so I can lift myself up? How can I make you look bad so I can look good? How can I attack so that I can feel safe? All of these instincts are not given to us from the Holy Spirit of God. They're given to us from our earthly flesh. Of my own desires, my own wants, my own pride. And so we're divided. And so there's two things we need to be really careful about in our church. There's two things we need to be really careful about in our individual lives. First, we don't isolate ourselves. And we don't put ourselves uh, away from everyone, close our heart up, try to be uh, as strong as we can without any help. But then we also need to be careful that we don't engage in unhealthy relationships. That we don't get involved in those things that are destructive, because we can have unhealthy friendships. And so that's the problem. That's obviously the problem. What is the solution? What does God want you and I to know today? What is the answer that he has for us? Well, we find a clear answer in Acts chapter 2. It's in the New Testament. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. This is written by a guy named Luke. He is extremely educated. He's, a, he's a, uh, a physician, and he was paid to get eyewitness accounts of what Jesus' life was, and he was also paid and, and was given the, uh, the responsibility or task of recording what the church looked like in its, in its early years. And so he tells us the birth of the church, and this is what the church looked like in the very beginning, and this is God's answer, I believe, to all of us individually and then as a group. Here's what it says. Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so as we break this down and we look at it, all right, here's a beautiful picture of what our lives should be like, what our church should be like, and what our individual lives should be like. And this is such a vital part that you might have missed if you read that. Their base, their foundation was strong. The only way this works, the only way I have a healthy 
friendship in my life. The only way I build healthy friendships in my life is if I build on a very strong foundation. All of us in this room are building our lives on a foundation. All of us. No matter, there's not a human on the planet that does not have a foundation they're building their life on. You might be building it on your opinion. You might be building it on the cultural opinion. You might be building it on what makes you feel good. You might be building it on a lot of different things. But this group of people came together and they said, we're going to build our foundation. The thing that we're going to build everything else off of, the thing that brings us together, is that we are Bible-based, Christ-centered, and Spirit-led. Here's what that means. They, they would get together and they'd say, all right, Look, how many of you know everything? Nobody knows everything. Who knows everything? God knows everything. How has God revealed himself to us? Through his word, through the prophets, through the writings. All right, well, let's study those so that we can have an understanding of who we are and what we're to do together. And so they would gather together regularly, and they would discuss and say, this doesn't make sense. How could this be true? How could this be possible? And they would discuss the writings that God had revealed to be given to us so that we could understand why we're here. What is our origin? What is our purpose? What is our destiny? All of these things were revealed, and they would gather together, and they would all talk about it, and they would pray about it, and they would say, please, let's understand this together. And so that was their commitment. They were committed to being Bible-based. Now, they didn't have the Bible. They had a part of the Bible. But the part they had, they focused on. And the other part, most of the people that wrote it were with them and leading them. And so bringing those two things together allowed them to have a strong base. It was never, well, this is this guy's opinion, or this is the newest trend, or this is what CNN says, or this is what Fox News says, or this is what my blog that I read says, or this is what my uncle, who's really smart about this stuff, says. It was always says, this is what God says. And we believe it. Because it's an unchanging foundation. It's a settled matter. And so they came together and said, here's our foundation. We're going to base ourselves here. But we're not going to stop with that. We're also Christ-centered. Meaning, we recognize that the whole fulfillment of God's word is that he came to save us. And that he's building something called his church. And he wants us to be his disciple, which means little Christ, students of Christ. That our whole purpose is to be a, div a diverse group of little Jesuses. If you've never heard this before, this might be mind-blowing to you, but the Bible tells us that all of us are to be little versions of Jesus. That the whole purpose of God even creating this planet and creating the universe and putting us in the solar system and spinning the earth and putting us on the earth is so that he can look at the diversity of himself reflected back to himself, giving himself glory. This is the teaching of God's word. You do not exist for your own glory. When you try to take it, it's terrible. Have you ever pursued your own glory? It's horrible. Because you're not meant to pursue your own glory. Anyone who pursues their own glory finds despair. They find uh, anxiety and stress because when you pursue your own glory, it does not work. You were not created to pursue it. You were created to reflect it. And so when you reflect it, it's life-giving. It's powerful. It changes everything. And so when you, when you study God's word, you recognize, all right, I'm to be Christ-centered, meaning everything I do, how do I treat my wife? Well, if Christ wants me to treat my wife, if Jesus was the husband or spouse of my, my partner, how would I live? As a parent, how does Jesus call me to treat my children? As an employee, how does Jesus want me to be an employee? As a citizen, as a neighbor, 
They got together and they talked about this. And they focused their hearts on this. And they said, this is our foundation. This is what brings us together, is we have a strong foundation that we have agreed upon that allows us to understand why we're here and what we're to do. And then finally, they were, they were spirit-led. That meant if, they, if the spirit would lead them, they say, hey, there's some people that are sick over here. Let's go help them. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Um, no one goes near them. They're lepers. You can't go near them. You're going to get it. Your flesh is going to fall off. It's the worst disease on the planet. You don't want to go near them. Well, the Holy Spirit told us to go there and do this. we got to obey him over our own logic. And when you're, when you're Holy Spirit-led, he leads you to do things that always are not what you would want to do. But when you do them and you're faithful in them, he blesses with his presence and his peace and his joy. We're all looking for this. I, you call it happiness, I call it joy. We're all looking, we want our kids to be happy, we want to be happy, we want to be fulfilled, we want life to make sense, we want to have a purpose, we want to know that we have value. All of these things come from this foundation. Outside of this foundation, I cannot find these things. I cannot find stability. I cannot find purpose. I cannot find hope outside of this solid foundation. And so they were Bible-based. They were Christ-centered, and they were spirit-led. And that allowed them to worship together because when they came together, they knew what they were worshiping about. I was lost, but I'm found. I was purposeless. Now I have purpose. Life makes sense when it never made sense before. They have purpose in worship. And then they could build deep, meaningful relationships. Because guess what? You know what the most beautiful thing about being in a family is? It's not the tax benefits. Did you know that? The most beautiful thing about being in a family is trust. Did you know that? That's what we've missed so for so long. To be able to trust that somebody loves you and is there for you and will sacrifice for you. Unhealthy families can't trust because the foundation is not strong. But when you're built on a strong foundation, you can trust each other. You don't have to be afraid, are they going to leave today? Are they going to not love me today? Are they going to be, are they going to think of me as nothing today? There's nothing quite in life like having that kind of trust where you don't have to somehow earn their their love. You don't have to achieve, you don't have to do something that makes them love you. You don't have to be something that makes them love you. It's greater than all of that. It's built on something much stronger than that. And so this is what they had. They had something where they could fellowship and build deep friendships. Do you not want a friendship where you could share things that have been bothering you your whole life so that you can release them from you so they don't hold you down? Do you not want to be in a relationship where someone's praying for your kids and your grandkids, where they love them and are concerned about them the way you love them and you're concerned about them? Do you not want to be in relationships that are concerned about the world the way you're concerned about the world and you come together in unity and saying we are unified in this as a friendship? Do you not want others to celebrate when you get that job promotion, when something great happens in your life? Do you not want to have people in your life that are celebrating and are not jealous? but legitimately are excited for your win? Do you want people in your life that use you to get stuff from you or people that are there to serve you and give to you and lift you up and build you up? 
This is what the foundation is all about. When you build on this strong, heavy, uh, eternal foundation, you become what you were meant to be. And you can have these friendships. And then when you have these friendships, you grow in them. We call it discipleship. You become more and more like Christ. You begin to have patience and peace and joy. And you begin to love people the way you never loved. You, you see the world in a completely new way. You begin to care about people in ways you've never cared about them before. It bothers you when people are unjustly treated. It bothers you in your soul when you see a world that's hurting and you want to be part of the solution. And discipleship is, is that when, when God looks at this world and his heart is broken, your heart is broke, broken. And that leads you to ministry, and they ministered together. They said, look, uh, if anyone has a need, we'll sell whatever we have. If I have to sell the car so that you can have a meal this week, I'm going to sell the car so you can have a meal this week. Whatever I have is uh, up for sale if it's going to benefit those in my life. And so they ministered. They ministered to each other. They ministered to the orphans. They ministered to the widows. They ministered to those who were hungry. They ministered to those who were sick. They ministered to those who were in prison. They ministered. They were serving other people with their lives because they had a foundation that called them to this. And they were on a mission. And here's what their mission was. That it doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter who your parents are. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter how much pigmentation's in your skin. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter all the defining, dividing factors that this earth has come up with, with humans have come up with. None of that stuff matters. All are welcome into this family. All are welcome to confess and believe Christ as Lord. All are welcome to build this foundation. Everyone is welcome. The only reason that would keep you out is if you say, no, I don't want that. I do not want that. I would rather go my own way. I'd rather do it my own way. I'd rather find my own path. And so they understood that these were the core things. But they had to come to a place where it says in the very beginning of the verse, they devoted themselves. They had to come to a place where they made a decision. All of us that are married in, this, married in this room came to a decision, and one of us had to ask the other one, will you marry me, with that risk of them saying no. <laughs> Commitment. Commitment is like a, the new modern swear word. Did you know that? <laughs> People are afraid of commitment. I can't commit. What if there's a better option? What if I find out something different later? We live in the Amazon fast food buffet world where there's so many options. How could I commit to just one? And yet everything in scripture says commit. Make a commitment. Make a decision and stick to it. Whether it's easy or hard. I do a lot of weddings. We say sickness and in health. In good times and in bad times. Commitments are horrible if it's only in good times and only in health. That is not a commitment. That is selfishness. That is self-centered. You love no one but yourself. Commitments are, if it's good, I'm all in. If it's bad, I'm all in. Doesn't matter. What commitments have you made in life? 
You know, I have good friends that are atheists, and I love them, I pray for them, but I don't think atheism is our big issue in this world. I think it's a lot of people sitting there saying, one day I'll make that commitment. It's procrastination. Procrastination is our greatest problem as a human race. Yeah, that sounds good. I want that, just not today. That's really interesting, and I'm, my feelings are peaked to this. I'm, I would like to know more, but not today. You see, the problem is none of us knows how many more todays there are going to be. And even if there were a lot of more todays, if this is true, do you want to waste your life doing something else? Why not start? Why not continue? Devoted. Devoted. What are you devoted to today? What are you committed to today? Where have you planted the flag of your life and said, I will not change from this. This is who I am. This is who I will be. And I am committed to it. How do I personally commit? What's the next step? How do I apply this to my life? How do we live this out? Well, if you're a believer today, if you've said, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that I rejected you, and now I want to receive you as my Savior. I'm confessing and believing that you have given me eternal life, and you've began that relationship with him. Well, today, if you're still walking in that journey, if that's who you are, it's a good day to take spiritual inventory. So we recently moved, and you know what I realized? We have a lot of junk that needs to get thrown away. If you were to go to your house today and I said, look, just whatever you use every week, you're going to keep everything else you're going to throw away. How much stuff are you throwing away? Honestly. Oh, we'll use that again sometime. I'm sure we'll use it sometime. I have a guy, he says, if you don't use it in three months, you should throw it away. Because we accumulate more than anywhere. They don't accumulate in Malawi because they don't have anything to accumulate. Right? We accumulate here because we have more than we ever could imagine or need. And we accumulate, and we accumulate, and we accumulate. Do you know we spiritually accumulate? We accumulate bitterness. We accumulate anger. We accumulate hostility. Oh, that person did that to me, and I'm not going to let it go. That person said that to me, and I'm not going to let it go. That thing happened, and I'm not going to let it go. And it builds, and it builds, and it builds. And do you know where it builds most? Our spiritual ears and our spiritual eyes and our spiritual heart. It builds a really big, strong wall. And when, when healthy spiritual things come to us, it's blocked blocked because you cannot listen to God if you have a wall of anger you cannot listen to God if you have a, a wall of unforgiveness if you're holding on to something right now why what is it benefiting you how is it blessing you to hold on to anger to hold on to that hurt feeling to hold on to that pain. Jesus said over and over, he said, look, confess your sin, forgive those who sin against you. Just let it go. God will be just and deal with it, but you need to let it go. To do that, we need to take inventory. Because you know what I've realized? When I'm talking like this or I'm listening to someone talk and they're, they're speaking from God's word, God will reveal something to me that I didn't even realize was in my heart. I'm like, wait a minute, I do treat that person poorly. Wait a minute, I am holding on to that anger because that person did mistreat me. 
I am holding on to that bitterness. I am, and me. I'm sitting there thinking, wow, that's me. What am I going to do with that? What am I going to do with that? This is that moment. Take the inventory. David said, search my heart. If there is anything in me, if there's a single thing in me that is blocking our relationship, that's coming between us, show it to me so I can get rid of it. Show it to me so I can get rid of it. Commit to being a friend. Right now, who are your closest friends? Who do you trust? Amen. Who are people in your life that will cry when you cry? Will celebrate when you celebrate? Who are people in your life that you are combined, you're combined to, you're bonded to in a deep friendship? Who in your life needs friendship? Who in your life needs someone to come alongside them and be their friend? Pray for wisdom. God, show me that person. Show my, myself to me so I can truly be what you want me to be. And then stop what God tells you to stop. If God tells you to stop, stop. And start what God tells you to start. What is God telling you to stop? What is he telling you to start? These are moments that are bigger than a physical room. Did you know that? These are things that are eternally in your spirit at this moment. And so if you've been twice born, you know Christ is your Savior. Then take these moments to restart. To say, I'm going to stop the things he wants me to stop. And I'm going to start the things he wants me to start. Now, I know every single one of us in this room are at different places. But just so we can honor and respect each other, just for a few moments of quiet, I'm going to stop talking. Listen to God. God, what do you want me to stop? What do you want me to start? Help me to understand. If we'd all close our eyes just for a few moments and allow the Lord to speak to us.